Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, as always, is my lovely and talented and slightly cranky and cursy <laughs> co-host, Miss Barbara. Me? Yeah, Cranky and cursy? What? Never, 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 never. So, is that, um, is that oh. why I don't have like a house full of woodland creatures wanting to clean my house and shit today? <laughs> you're the one that you're like the enchanted version with the rats and, and the things that come in and help you <laughs> do your whim. <laughs> I would um, take it at this point. <laughs> oh my god, we're we're already on a great. <laughs> this just went to hell already. So boy, yay! Um, yeah. So speaking of going to hell, let's start with the geek week in geek because it's been uh, it's been fun times. And I apologize, everybody, for my voice. I am dealing with allergy season in Oregon, and it sucks bad. Um, I woke up. And it felt like I had swallowed a ball of cotton that had been dipped in Drano. And it was it, it was wonderful. My throat was just like, hi, I hate you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun. So I apologize for sounding like I've been smoking 15 th- cigarettes before I started. Um, but, yeah. So welcome back, Barb. It's been a yeah. little bit of a delay, but not too bad. Right. Well, so, thank you for having me. I've missed you. I've missed you. I've missed you. We, we apologize for everybody that we uh, we wronged <laughs> or freaked out or terrified or um, triggered or anything. But that's what we do. You guys should be used to it by now. So there. <laughs> Um, it is what we do, and you know by the name, we're fangirls. We're going to fangirl out. We just do it a little bit more hardcore <laughs> than other people do because we're old and we don't care. <laughs> Being demure is boring. Like, oh, that's so lovely. I really enjoy that. Yay. No, that's not what we do. Exactly. We cackle and we curse and, and we, we go into all. detail and we don't give a shit so yeah that's who we are that's who we are in our souls exactly. how dare you judge <laughs> i have a soul i i thought i lost it or sold it or i think you sold it. something i don't know there was something involving tom hardy's top hat from Ooh. from taboo involved i think and mm. said here what the show i don't know i don't need it for anything here take it <laughs> please take it all i want to sniff the rim let me uh, the rim of the hat. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's us. That's who we are. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of porning out and uh, about things that are hot and, and geeky. Uh, did anybody watch the Colbert Report this mm. week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I love it. I love the fact I said, the reason I'm bringing this up. Friend of the show, uh, Mark Meir, actually got to hang out with Joe Mangiliano at Gen Con and and, um, at these other, he's been going to a lot of these D&D and RPG uh, conventions because he loves them and he works in them and everything. And he's been posting pictures and I was like, what's Joe Mangiliano doing at a a D&D event? Mm -hmm. Turns out he is a massive geek and uh, that's awesome because I loved Al Seed and, and True Blood. That's where I first met him. And, saw and to look at him, he necessarily doesn't look like a D&D dork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of like that whole Vin Diesel thing, which is funny because he brings that up in the interview with Colbert. Yes. Which I thought was like, oh, you're calling him out. Oh! That was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Mandiliano was on Colbert, <clears throat> who we already know is the bi- one of the biggest fantasy geeks there is because he just he grew up with it he grew up with the lord of the rings and tolkien he can speak in elvish which is hot yeah it so, is um mm. so anyway and Giliano and colbert on there and they basically forgot there was an audience and just started talking and geeking out and dorking out about D and uh, then you find out Mangiliano has like um, this this basement. basement that i want to live in and yes. And just never leave um, that he has like this massive table that looks like it's out of the, uh, you know, the realm of King Arthur where there's 12 seats or something on it. And it's this long table and they all play D&D and he has like all these celebrity geeks come over and play D&D with him. I'm going to play. Give me play. an invite, Joe. <laughs> Damn it. <A> bla- <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> completing my sentence. <laughs> so, so yeah so Giuliano is this big dork he's got like a clothing line out that celebrates D&D and, and he was on there talking about it and him and Colbert Colbert basically was like invited himself over in September <laughs> to go play and he better videotape it oh my god I want to watch that shit so, you know what would be even cooler <laughs> Is if they if they go all magic mic while they're playing and like play strip D and D or something, uh, in the basement with his with Joe's wife. What is her name? I can uh, Viagra. <laughs> well, she kind of is. <laughs> Maybe that's why he married her. Hmm. But uh, she, uh, she, yeah, it's. I am just. Yeah, I want. Manjilia, I I want Ben Diesel to just like crash in there because he does play. He yeah. is a D guy. He the dude was in a uh, a hand shark like the the street shark hand shark those puppet things. He's if you go back and look on YouTube and look up hand shark Vin Diesel for real. If you go on YouTube, there is a old commercial he did in the eighties. He had hair. <gasps> I think I remember what you're talking about. I think I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> He anyway, there that happened, but he actually does play, and that's why he does all of these like role play. You know, like the he wanted that the Riddick stuff to be like the next Conan, and then he did the Witch Hunter movie, which bombed. But he did it because he loves those the the whole D and D thing. So I, I would love to see him like throw. Can you imagine? Let's take a moment and picture Joe Mangiliano and Vin Diesel. Boot boxing mm. out like their armor falling off yeah. as they're fighting and just sweaty and and then Jason up. Momoa comes down unexpectedly and, <laughs> and Tom and Hardy all, <laughs> and, and all is right with the world. That's like hell yeah. Stephen <laughs> Colbert is like he's got his glasses off and his hair is billowing in the wind uh. and he's just like doing his mage thing. I'm like heal. <laughs> Heal, heal. Oh, you know that's all I need. That that right there just make me a happy girl forever. Sorry, everybody. We just went to our happy place. <laughs> <laughs> that's a peek to our brains, and it's sad and scary. But you're welcome there. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I found it funny when Colbert was like, "You're the sexy one, and I'm the nerdy one." I'm right. like, "No, no." <laughs> Stephen, you're wrong. 
Because <laughs> I got to say, I got I to gotta admit, if there was a hallway on fire and I had to run to one end or the other and it was Joe and Steven, I'd be jumping to the whole bear. I'm sorry. Yeah, because Joe can pretty much take care of himself. Oh, if you have other. to pick one? I would run into Colbert. I'd just be running to Colbert. That's all. I probably would too, honestly. I would just like <laughs> give Joe like a final look one, you know, once over. I'd be like, I'm sorry. Thank you for the eye candy, but I gotta go now. <laughs> I gotta have I'm going with, with the guy down here that I, I know I know what he yeah. Uh he can sing Charlene to me and I'll just I'll just listen. Yeah. We'll geek out and cuddle and watch movies and be happy. Exactly. Sorry. Aww. Sorry, I've lost my stand. I went up tangent. Ugh, Colbert. Yeah, I'm the idiot. I, I'm the crazy one that wrote the Colbert Buffy crossover fanfic. Ah, <laughs> nice. And it had this was back in my in the days of the, the Colbert Report and I watched all the news and all of the the Daily Show and all of that crap. And before John Oliver went out on his own, mm-hmm. and my my crazy fanfic that I wrote that I actually had people reading. There was like this whole movement at the time. This was a while back. Oh, nice. That that uh that all the girls were all crazy about all the um the news guys. So it was John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and um uh what's his name, Anderson Cooper and John mm-hmm. Oliver. So basically, if you were on The Daily Show, you were hot. Okay. And this whole thing. And I wrote this thing, and I'm like, because it was when Charlene happened, the whole Charlene, you know, his cousin Charlene. I took that story and rolled it into the Buffyverse. Nice. And I made Stephen Colbert a vampire. <laughs> And I made Anderson Cooper and John Oliver vampires, and they were like his crew that ran with him. Oh, that's awesome. And oh, God, it was crazy. Because what happened, long story short, basically the plot is Charlene and Colbert were in love, and she's his like cousin and younger. And so her parents, who were very highly religious, God, I'm sorry, this is, I got to explain this. I got, I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> So basically, her parents were these highly religious people, and they were like, no, how dare you? You're too young, and you're his cousin, and no. And so instead, they were going to curse him with, they, they were so angry and so trying to protect their daughter, they, they decided they were going to curse him. So they found this guy who was an anti-Wiccan person, like he, he, he was one of these witch finder types, but he was an idiot. And instead mm-hmm. of cursing him with like some the horrible thing that they were trying to try and curse him with they cursed him to be a vampire which was the worst because it gave him powers and stuff like that nice (laughs) that sounds amazing though oh it was funny because then what they do was they move to sunnydale to get away from him because they're like we got to get away from all of this we you know so they hide in sunnydale and then he follows them he finds them in sunnydale because all vampires and dark creatures are are drawn to the hellmouth and mm-hmm. so he's being there and charlene is going to school with buffy and her crew and it's this whole thing <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i fasten yeah do you still have it around cuz i i kind of want to I would like to read that. I, I never <laughs> for reasons, finished. you know. <laughs> I never finished it. Um, this is before I knew Anderson Cooper was gay, so I have him being straight, which makes <laughs> no sense. 
<laughs> so I have to tweak that. I was going to ask. I'll be like, does that come into play? I, I need to tweak that. Oh, that's awesome, though. So, um, if I'm ever gonna, I was thinking about making him a werewolf just because he reminds me of an Arctic fox. or fox, He kind of does. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, God. We went off. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're we're totally out. We got to draw ourselves back in now. We just completely went off the but yeah, so that's that's a peek into Jessica from how many years ago? Jesus Christ, like over 10 years ago, I think I started that maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> I can't remember. It was in the early days. There, there's, it was not as far back. There was my space to the dead stuff that I wrote because that stuff was back in live journal. Oh man! Yeah, I'm Damn, old. you're making me feel old now. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, Live Journal. Holy which is now my yeah. Funny. Look up Live Journal now. Like, it's Russian owned, so it's like oh nay. Yeah. So it it's crazy. Like it's still there in, somehow in some fashion, but yeah. So Live Journal is still a thing, which not really, but it's still. Some in some form, it's still out there. Yeah, yeah. I still That's have all my kind of crazy in itself. Yeah, I still have all my live journal icons. Because speaking of the the news guys, because that was back in that day too. I have them that mm-hmm. somebody somebody made news pirate icons of all the guys from the news. Okay. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, so I have <laughs> somewhere in like a drive some in my computer pile it there's a drive with all my live journal icons on it so yeah there you go pack into the past back in the past there yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so let's talk about new crap um but yeah joe mangeliano and stephen colbert go watch it it's fascinating it's eight minutes of them just being dorks on camera it's great (laughs) and him calling out vin diesel which i thought was funny um so new stuff kind of kind of new stuff we talked about this when it broke the the week it happened um so the whole james gunn firing by disney is still feeling ramifications and things happening um just recently this in the last couple of days uh kurt russell came out in defense of james gunn and his his remark was you know we're all getting a little too sensitive now and it's true. It's true. What I agree. People are trying to make that comparison between James Gunn and Roseanne. There's no comparison. We made a point about no. saying that before. You know, it her remarks were def, were racist. And at the moment, James Gunn has repol- apologized for his jokes that he made ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> numerous times. And uh, it, it, there's no comparison on that. You know, there's no, there's no comparison. So um, now, uh, walking into this fray without any fear and not caring and being loyal as hell, pretty much just like his character, um, Dave Bautista has said he's going to quit Guardians of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and they can recast his character. He doesn't give two shits um, if they uh, don't at least use James Gunn's script and. Mm. It's sounding more and more like uh, he's probably going to. They're they're really just wanting him back as a director, right? And, and if that happens, mm-hmm. that would be really smart on Disney's part 
because the people that mm-hmm. are uh, on the bandwagon and, and were supporting this firing aren't going to these movies. The people that go to these movies exactly. Know. Yeah, that's the thing. The people that go to go to Guardians movies care about James Gunn. They believe in James mm-hmm. Gunn. They're not. They're not going. You know, the people that that supported this firing and and were on that burn the witch bandwagon of of him don't go to Marvel movies. They they don't. And that's usually how it works. And somebody's so against something, odds are that they don't even know what they're against. Essentially, they just they hear something or they read something and they automatically form their opinion rather than giving, you know, the the topic or whatever, the subject, um, a fair shake. Well, and that's kind of like, um, that kind of goes into what's happening right now with uh, <clears throat> another comic book property that just got announced um, the casting of this week, <clears throat> which is Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're, they're social justice <laughs> warriors. They, they made a lesbian be this character. And it's like, oh, no, not a lesbian. A, a lesbian playing a lesbian. A lesbian. That's... Yeah. <laughs> craziness. Just absolute craziness. My yeah. God, what are people thinking? Well, the thing that I find, I, I, I like called a couple people out about it on Facebook um, in a couple of groups I was on just because I was so just in awe of what the, what the fuck's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Did not read the comic. She's always been gay. Um, <laughs> so it's it's like there were people on there immediately like, how dare they make my character? Why are they social justice warrior make a lesbian in this? I'm like, if you're a fan <laughs> of the comic, you'd know that she's gay in the comic. That was like a major plot point. She's dating the female question. They were gonna get married, right? <laughs> That's like this whole time. This isn't Batgirl. <laughs> you know, oh they have God. Batgirl is still Batgirl. This is Batwoman. There's two completely different mm-hmm. characters. If you're a fan, then you know this. You should be happy that they're actually casting a, a known gay star. Everybody mm-hmm. knows Ruby Rose is is a lesbian and 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 gay. You know, I'm I. My only thing is I've never seen her do much more than the same character. They've always cast her as the same character. Although, if you if you watch, funnily enough, she did a music video. She dates one of the Veronicas. Her I can't remember which one because they're twins. Okay. But anyway, she dates one of the Veron Jessica. I think I think it's her name, Jessica. Oh God, that'd be funny. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So Ruby Rose, beautiful woman. She uh, she, she's also a director, and she uh, actually directed this music video with her girlfriend in it. And it's all about her being a drug addict. And mm-hmm. you watch the video. It's this beautifully filmed video of, of her basically deteriorating. And, and there you see their relationship, and there's actually these like really dramatic scenes while the music plays. And it's beautifully done. Unfortunately, every movie I've seen her in, you never get to see her range. You always see her, she's the badass. Oh, she's right. the, she's the badass with the accent. Well, first of all, Kate, I think is, yeah, Batwoman isn't 
Aust- she Australian? I can't remember. She's American. She's yeah, and and so she's gonna have to not have the accent. Mm-hmm. And, and then and and she has to have some you know really right. good in there. Is there yeah. some major trauma that happens to Batwoman that you have to deal with? Um, so yeah, I uh, I I hope she can. You know, bring it. I I, mm-hmm. I like her for the role too. The only two there's two things. One, I don't. I want to see her bring it, and two, um, she seems a little short because Batwoman is a tall bitch. Yeah, I was gonna say she's kind of statuesque, and Ruby Rose is not <laughs> very tall. And um, so my thing is, get her some really high platform boots so she can look like the badass tall bitch she is in the comics. Because I love the comics. They're some of the yeah. most beautiful drawn. Like the first couple of volumes, if you go out and get them, they look like paintings. They're painted. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really pretty so definitely um i'm really excited about batwoman i i am i like her for the role like i said um she's got really pretty lips so with that mask on she's gonna she's gonna just nail it yeah she needs to grow grow like a foot and a half taller (laughs) and well you know for when um tom hardy did bane they had to put lifts in his boots because he's a short shit and he and I think he's only like five eight five nine, and Christian Bale, I believe. The show now, Thanks. you know, <laughs> you call my assault what? <laughs> he knows I love him, anyhow. <laughs> God, but yeah. So everybody, let me let me be the first to tell you this is not Batgirl. Barbara Gordon is still Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. Eight. Kane, Kathy Kane is Batwoman. And she came into the new 52 way back when she is a badass. She has the red and black color scheme going on. She's got that long flowing with this is interesting. She's got that long flowing red hair. So she's gonna have to definitely have a wig. Um when she's at least in the outfit. Um in uh so yeah, Batwoman uh is She's a badass. She's been around for a long time, but the the one that we're going to get is the one that came into the New 52. And uh, she took over the duties in Gotham when uh, Batman went away. And uh, the other thing that is interesting about Batwoman comics is that they had some major vampire stuff going on in them. Nice. Yeah, like, she gets vamped. She gets vamped. It's That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I want Vampire Batwoman, please. Thank you. That would be dope. Yes. <laughs> Vampire Batwoman, please. It works. Um, so yeah, uh, I love I love Batwoman. Um, and I think this is a good casting. I just have those few quibbles and then let's see what they do with it. So um kind of piggybacking off of that too. Um there's rumors going around that the Supergirl movie is coming, like feature film. And there's a rumor that is uh, that may bump the next Superman movie out because oh. I think DC's going with. Well, Wonder Woman did such badass numbers. We may mm-hmm. actually have to do a. Um, let's see what another female superhero can do for DC. Right. Instead of another. That's well, excited. I, I'm kind of excited too, and also that means no weird ass looking uh, Henry Cavill with his 
D C G face that was so <laughs> fucked. I couldn't even. I, I honestly, when when um, uh, Justice League started and they had that video footage of him talking, you know, on camera, yeah. and as news footage, I didn't realize that was supposed to be Superman because he looked so fucked in the face he right. looked like his face was stretched out or something and i actually whispered to my husband like who's, who's that <laughs> is that no you're like that... sit there and like squint it's like is it, that do i think yeah, it might I, be I, I looked i looked at my husband and went what the fuck is wrong with his mouth <laughs> because he looked like <laughs> i look at I don't know why they did that. Honest to God. But then I saw Mission Impossible, and I'm like, oh, that's why they did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't you dare save that. You keep that on, and you keep doing <laughs> with your arms and punch the shit out of everyone around you while I exactly. watch. Exactly. Do that. Oh, my God. That's all you need to do. I get it now. I get it. But still, I did not. They, that looks so horrible. I just was like, what the shit is this? This is, no. So, um, who knows where this is all going to, going back to the original plot, you know, plot, plot point. <laughs> going back to the we were talking about, which is Dave Batista. Good on you, Dave Batista. You stand your ground. I, I think yeah. this is, I, I, you know, it might be really cool to see this actually end up being one of those moments where um, they reverse a decision like that. Mm-hmm. Because they'd be stupid not to, really. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which some people are talking about this. I don't think enough people, I don't think enough people are talking about it. And that is Castle Rock. If you're not watching Castle Rock, you are an idiot. Yes. Thank you. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Castle Rock is freaking amazing. If you are a Stephen King fan, you need to be watching it, hands down. Oh yeah, no, and and the stuff that's going on in this, like the what they're doing right now, is they are I, what I've gathered from it. It's kind of like American Horror Story. I think every season is going to be focused on a different story in Castle mm-hmm. Maine. Yeah, and, they said it, it was going to kind of be. Um, kind of like an anthology and yeah. each story um was going to be from a different director or a different author or, or something along those lines yeah and yeah. so it's so this last, last thing that thing happened, happened um this i haven't watched the episode that went live today there was one that went live today the i think it's the fifth episode but the last episode holy shit mm-hmm and it yes, was, I agree. As soon as I'm like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, he's creepy smiling. He's creepy smiling. This isn't just going to end badly. Oh, fuck. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like that. I actually um, interviewed the actor that plays the guard, and I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but uh, oh, I've got to look him up. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look him up now. Um, so, uh, but I I did coverage for the la- next, the latest issue of Harhound mm-hmm. on um on the series. Noel Fisher is that Noel Fisher? Yes, it's Noel Fisher. Sweet. Okay, sorry guys, Noel Fisher, who is a sweet 
art. And um, he actually is one of the uh, the voice voices of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, funnily enough, in the new movies. Uh, oh, okay. And, yeah, so he is a doll baby, and he's a big dork, which is awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, his character, who um, goes by the name of Dennis, Dennis loses his shit and kills basically everybody at, at Shawshank that isn't a prisoner. It's a really horrible scene because, mm-hmm. and and cause you know he's a he's got a I think he's got a baby on the way in the in the I show. Think so. Yeah. yeah married he's got a baby on the way and he's just he made the mistake of fist bumping pennywise i'm just gonna call him pennywise is <laughs> pennywise and uh he touched him and that's just bad and he'd already had like these visions of this bloodbath happening but he he thought it was going to be he he was seeing the kid doing it mm-hmm. and it was actually him and it's it's a horrible thing because he was just trying to do good, and and uh, yeah. So I don't I, I can't wait to watch this new episode that hit today. Um, it's every Wednesday the new ones hit, and if you aren't watching it, it's just fascinating. I have no idea where it's going to go. No, and and the casting, and there's so many just Easter eggs everywhere. I mean, there's the character Jackie Torrance. My yeah. husband, I had to beat my husband. <laughs> Because, like, every time something would pop up, like, as soon as you see, like, Sissy Spacek, you're like, yeah, there's Carrie, and there's Pennywise, and then Jackie Torrance pops up, and I'm like, what's that from? And he's like, I don't know, and I'm like, I want a divorce. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) I want a divorce. And I was getting on his nerves because, like, everything I was picking up on, it was getting me excited. And I'm, like, screaming and, like, woo and all this stuff, thinking it's, like, the most awesome thing ever. So it automatically hooked me in from the first episode. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I've not watched the new episode either, so I'm yes, looking forward to it. Same. Um, the other interesting thing that a lot of people may not know is that the um, the uh, actress who plays the warden, the new warden, mm-hmm. is actually Don and Joan Cusack's sister. Yes. And I did not know that until recently, so yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen her in a ton of stuff. I just never realized, because John and... And Joan look like twins. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Now that I see it, I see it in her face now that I know. So, but yeah, if you're not watching Castle Rock, you are doing yourself a disservice. It's on Hulu. You, it's worth getting Hulu just for it. I, I love all the little Easter eggs. I can't wait to see it when they finally do something. uh, Salem's Lot-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Because that will be awesome. Because I need I need to have that Rob Lowe-led version of that to go away from my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to be that needs to be purged. Um, the other th- the other show that not enough people are talking about is Preacher. <sighs> Why the fuck not? No, I it just angers the piss out of me. <laughs> so Preacher is. Freaking fantastic. This season is probably the best season of the show. And not and not the least of which reason is because Cassidy actually is getting a good chunk of story. Mm-hmm. And they're utilizing... I've, I've kind of ranted about this previously. They're utilizing the Cassidy standalone comic. So, and But this season is actually the most balanced when it comes to the three leads. Because um, 
I just watched this coming Sunday's episode. I can't talk about it because it's mm-hmm. under embargo, but um, there it's, it's very, very balanced and it's just ridiculous over the top. Probably the most um, just supremely uh, just in your face. We don't care. We're going to, piss all over everything <laughs> like nice. religion we don't give a shit we, we're equal opportunity offenders but in terms of the three leads and their characters it's the most balanced in giving each of them a good story mm-hmm. this time around and uh so this time you've got cassidy with the vampires in new orleans you've got jesse having to deal with hair star and the the grail and then you've got tulip who has her own vendetta against god almighty himself Right. And and she's basically doing like these great caper things right now. You've got Satan in there. Hitler's got his own care. He's a lead now. Hitler's got his oh own. Oh my ca- god! Hitler's yeah, his own working in the grinder store. Hilter, I think. Hilter, yeah. Dave Hilter. <laughs> god. And it's just fantastic and fun. And the thing that a lot of people aren't catching on to is. We just had a major comic book character in the DC universe, Preacher, come out as bi in the show. Mm-hmm. Cassidy's bi. He yes. lets that bi flag fly. In- oh, and that, that vamp on vamp action, man. I'm just uh-huh. like, oh, okay. <laughs> that coffin. You get that coffin? Yeah, I was like, I, I would roll up in there with them. Oh, my oh God, yeah. <laughs> so pretty. They're both pretty. I, I still yeah. can't get over how much uh, the guy that plays... Um, Acacius, I can never say his name right. I know, I'm just, I give up on it. Yeah, he looks like John Fugel sing with long hair. He, he, (laughs) the dimples and everything. Tell me it's John Fugel sing. Um, but yeah, I freaking love this season. And, and, um, yes, boys and girls, this isn't a spoiler. Cassidy gets his wardrobe back together in this coming episode, and he's got a spike coat. He's got a spike coat. Yay. Yeah, he looks good. Mm. Mm. Oh, babe. Mm. Oh, yeah. So. Can I just say the one scene from the past episode where he's in the coffin with his shirt? <gasps> and yeah. They the do that. Awesome. And, and like, yeah, you, you objectify that guy. You do exactly. it. Exactly. I was I, just like, yeah. <laughs> you know Objectification is, is equal opportunity and he deserves it. I uh, ain't mad at him. I'm not mad at them. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'm good. I'm good. So it's more. <laughs> like, you've no. got my attention, damn it. Keep it. <laughs> he is quite the pretty man. And uh, Joe Gilgan, if you ever, by some chance of, of fate, hear this, you you got to know we love you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a beautiful man. And, and we objectify you. We do. Terribly. Horribly. <laughs> Horribly objectify you. To to trash we do, <laughs> filth, complete filth we are when it comes to you. Just just so you know, we we love you. And um, I I have to give a quick shout out to my one of my favorite characters on Preachers, TC, because he's just fucking hilarious. God, he's God, I, that guy. I love him. You are amazing. You you truly are. We love you, and um yeah. If if by ever fate we get him on the show, mm-hmm. he's gonna have to do the voice. He's gonna have to- <gasps> he's gonna have to do Slink, and he's going to have to do TC. Miss Marie, 
Dick Marie. <laughs> oh my just, god! Yeah, I know he's a goat fucker and everything else, but I just want to hug him. I he's do. Just, I just want to cuddle him every time I see him. I'm like, my god, you're adorable. <laughs> I love the the whole thing with. So we've got a man walking around naked at the petting zoo. <laughs> oh, whatever. It's TC. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that poor goat. Uh, okay. So with that, with that, um, I need to bring up really quickly because I know a lot of us out there grew up on a lot of the VHS and uh, tapes that you can't get on DVD. A lot of this stuff, it's hard to find on DVD. Um, it's slowly making its way out. But for those of us who can't find it on DVD, um, Amazon Prime has some pretty amazing stuff that's hidden within the bowels of uh, its Prime streaming. And if you have Amazon Prime, it's $12 a month, and that gets you that free two-day shipping. So basically everybody's paying for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that I have discovered digging around, it's kind of fun. I actually spend more time looking around Amazon Prime than I videos than I do watching them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's sort of like going back and to the old days of going to a video store and looking around for movies. And then I keep adding them to my watch list. Um, but if you if you go now and start looking around, um, there are some things that I am in shock that they have. Um, one of them is this movie called Star Crash, which was this Caroline Monroe starring uh, movie that came out around the same time as Star Wars. It's the one where she's in that black leather bikini thing with the boots. And that I never thought in a million years I would find anywhere. You can watch that. But if you're looking for, say, a, um, a horror movie, they have you covered majorly. Um, they have some movies that I was like, really? Because these are the things that I used to see on the video shelves back in my local video store. Like... Blood Salvage, Brain Dead with Bill Pack or Bill Pullman. Um, there's a movie called Baffled that has Litter Nimoy in it. Oh wow! He, he plays. This is back in the '70s. He plays this um, race car driver who sees visions of people. Uh, he's people being killed, and he sees visions of them in. Uh, it's sort of like ESP and it's back in like, I think this was made in like 1970, oh, 1973, something like that. It's one of these trippy 70s movies with him in it. So it's, it's really kind of weird to find these. There's all kinds of weird crap on there. Um, There's another one called, uh, one of my favorite movies from the 90s. I think this was the 90s. When was this made? I got to look this up because I'm old and I forgot. Um, (laughs) But there's another movie. Oh, no, oh God, I was right. 1991. Dead Again. That had, um, at the time they were married, Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. And it was that movie about um, Derek Jacoby's in it. And it's, it's about um, uh, being, uh, you know, oh, God. What's the word I'm looking for? Where you're born again. Um, oh, you know what I'm talking about. I know. It, yeah. That, um, that word, you know, you people know what the hell we're talking about. Damn it. <laughs> Back to life in another body and you're, ah, um, God, looking that up. I, I feel like I'm more reincarnated. Oh, Re- is that it? Reincarnated? 
It's all about reincarnation. <laughs> Thank you. And what's interesting about this movie is that the whole black and white scenes in the past are beautifully shot. It's a great freaking movie. I thought I was the only one that remembered this movie. Um, it's a fucking fantastic film. It's got um, Andy Garcia's in it. Um, Campbell Scott's in it. But the thing that's crazy is Robin Williams is in this movie. And when it was, a, when it was released, it was one of the first movies he did where he was like one of those first ones where he, it was a drama is because mm-hmm. it was right around dead poet society and stuff, but I don't believe he was credited. So he just shows up and he's playing this, uh, disgraced uh, psychiatrist who slept with one of his, his patients in it. And it's just really amazing movie, really f- just great, beautifully shot. It just is sort of bittersweet because, you know, Brown and Thompson broke up. But mm-hmm. back then, you saw it. You saw this. They they just played off each other well. They're really beautifully. They look amazing. Great film. So that's on there. You can stream it right now. Um, the other one that I was so excited about, and, and a lot of people in the States may not know about this TV series, but there was a series in the BBC way back in the 70s that's not Doctor Who <laughs> uh, called Sapphire and Steel. And it starred hotness, Joanna Lumley and David McCollum. David McCollum was Sapphire, or I'm sorry, David McCollum was Steel. Joanna Lumley was Sapphire. It was this really crazy, weird, the, the plot was they're, they, they are the elements. Though They are. So he's like this little, he's a short and he's but curt and strong and, 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 you know, very, and she's all beautiful and ethereal and her eyes are blue and glittery. So they are, um, kind of like this, uh, police force if, of, of the universe. And there's this, uh, entity that sends them on cases where time or the elements around and, and reality are being threatened. And so they'll, they, they pick the, the, the representation of the elements of the universe. So Sapphire and Steel are always put together as partners. And they go and solve these weird, eerie cases together and deal with problems where, like, the universe is coming apart or time is wrong. And this is in the 70s. They have no budget. This is the BBC. So it's like... It has to be well acted and have an w- interesting story. They can't rely on special effects. Right. I want to say that I have seen this. Could be. It sounds very familiar to me. Um, so I'm wondering if I'm, I might have watched it with my dad back in the day. Because it sounds like something he'd totally be down with. It's really um, it's it's really really cool and and it's funny as big finish as they do brought it back in audio drama form and they mm-hmm. had David Warner playing um Steel which was awesome. Oh. Um yeah, but Sapphire and Steel fantastic show. Really interesting if you've never seen it. And yes, let me tell you Joanna Lumley was the first female Doctor Who. And right David <laughs> McCollum was the first man from Uncle there you go. I remember the man from Uncle. It was another one of my dad's favorites that he would make me watch with him. So yeah, he that was, I will have to di- give that a watch just for just sentimental to reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it's really good. It's really interesting. It's almost like watching a play, 
because mm-hmm. of the the fact that it takes place on a soundstage like Doctor Who did. Right. Um, so there's four seasons worth of it, which is nice. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, so the other one really quick before I uh, I just bore everybody to tears <laughs> with my discoveries of Amazon.com. I can't help it. I love it. Street Hawk. The entire series of Street Hawk is out there. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah right? Rex Smith. <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> with Joe Rigobolto before he went on to Murphy Brown. Yeah. Oh, man. Heart Machine. Street Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jesse Mock. Ex-motorcycle cop. Injured in line oh, of duty. Yeah, oh, baby. Uh, uh, oh, all right. I'm going to have to jump into that, too. Damn it. <laughs> Only thing that could make it better is if Auto Man was on there, but it's oh. not. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. I was all about the auto man. Um, oh. I was all about all the shows. I was young and it didn't care. I did not care. Um, so, yeah, uh, they have a ton of, of old TV series added now. Like, if you really want to go and have a complete 80s, 80s night, uh, they I think A-Team's on there, Chips is on there, and Street Hawk's on there. I mean, fuck, have fun. Heck Seriously, yeah. it's just fantastic. So, um Barbara, do you have anything else to add to my sanity for this, this oh, show? Well, <laughs> I've been posting about this a little bit with my waning excitement. Uh, American Horror Story Apocalypse will be upon us. And they just announced, and this has got my excitement back up because earlier when they announced that Emma Roberts was returning, I was like, okay, nope, I'm out. I don't want to watch it because she pisses me off. Um <laughs> They have be reprised. Yeah, her her role is Constant Langdon in Murder House. Um, Coven, I'm I wasn't so crazy about the season. I kind I dug the witches, and you know, but it just it got so skewed and kind of ridiculous that I was just like, eh, and it ended kind of stupidly. So. When they announced, like, the, the murder house, which is my favorite season, I think a lot of people would agree, um, oh, yeah. was, was going to mash up with Coven. I was kind of hoping it would mash up with, like, Asylum in a way. Um, because Asylum I, had too many damn plot holes that just... I know. What the fuck happened? But <laughs> I loved, I loved Lily Rabe in it, in that season. I thought she was amazing. And she will be returning this to the apocalypse season. It's going to be a lot of, of favorites. It's going to be, um, of course, Sarah Paulson, um, Evan Peters, uh, Billy Lord, Billy Eichner, who are, who appeared in the, uh, in the cult season. Yeah. Um, so it should be pretty good. I just wish that they would bring back in some way um, some a character for Finn uh, Whitrock to play because I enjoyed him as Dandy in the uh, freak show season. Oh, you and my sister both. I don't get why. All the women really? <laughs> oh, my Dandy. God. I thought he was sexy as shit. No, I, I was just like, mm. I loved him and um, I loved him in Hotel. Yeah. I think Hotel and, and, and uh, Murder House. It's the buildings. I like the buildings. Right. It's so many people are like hotel fucking sucked because they hated Lady Gaga being in it. But I thought, I thought she, she was, was brilliant. Yeah, yeah I, I thought 
I thought she she did a really amazing job, and she even won my husband over because he was one of the ones who were like, "Oh, Lady Gaga, what's she gonna do? Sing the whole time?" Well, yeah, but I, I like cried in that one. Yeah, Dennis O'Hare with uh, oh, I Liz Taylor. That. that whole thing, yes. I actually cried. Like I, with, I did too. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a brilliant season and everyone's like, oh, it sucked. It sucked. And I'm just like, OK, but you liked Roanoke, which I couldn't stand. I couldn't make it past two episodes of Roanoke. It was horrible. Roanoke just like I was like, OK. And then when they did the cult season, everyone's like, well, I'm not watching it. I watched it because I am an Evan Peters fan. I'm hoping that in Apocalypse, he dons the rubber man suit again because that <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> The real reason she's watching. <laughs> well, you know, rubber band suit see, Jessica theater. knows me because <laughs> she I, just called it. But <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a really reason her favorite her favorite season that and Dylan McDermott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and Zachary Quinto, but you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to uh, our interview segment, which I'm really excited about. This episode, um, we are. Um, our 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 favorite co-host with the most Ryan Stacy the reason he has been busy 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 and not on the show he has been working on an amazing project called She Burns in Hell accounts yes. from Chamberlain Made this all goes right back to circle back to our Stephen King talk cuz this is a Carrie fan film that he is making and it looks fabulous it absolutely and, does i'm yeah, excited it, for it if you go and look at the um, website, if you go to facebook.com slash sheburnsofficial, um, you will find photos, including uh, the lead actress, who is looks amazing. She, the, it, I honestly, I've told, uh, told Ryan, he really needs to um, make copies of this because people will buy this print. It is mm-hmm. just amazing looking. So um, Ryan and JJ Phillips, who is the producer and costumer, and she's doing everything for this film. She, she loves it with Ryan. Um, we, uh, we talked with them. I actually talked with them uh, both in a joint interview about this movie and uh, we cover all the subjects we cover why now why why carrie what what you know how carrie is like this un uh, she's like this the thing with carrie is a lot of people don't get and don't think about is she's a horror icon she's a female horror icon mm-hmm. and she's one of the few a very few that doesn't have the bride of in front of her name right she's her own she carry she carries the movie the story <laughs> exactly exactly nice pun so uh <laughs> but, but she, it, that's the thing and it's in in this day and age where we're all talking about you know every day we have like a new school shooting we have a new thing about bullying carrie is more important than ever mm-hmm. in in showing that the what can happen and we've seen it happen. We've seen the reality of it. And um, but what I what's neat about what Ryan is doing with this accounts from Chamberlain, Maine. That's important because it's talking about the people that were cro- caught in the crossfire of what happened with Carrie. And it's it's all from the perspectives because it's like the book. It's all from the perspectives of the people in the town, and and it talks about the people that weren't mean to Carrie that got that died because of what happened to her. 
And it's it's not just about Carrie. It's about the other people in the town. So it's really interesting and a neat take. And um, Carrie doesn't have as much as, say, Freddie in terms of, of fan films. I, I hadn't even heard of any. But apparently Ryan, you know, did his research. And he's like, no, it's this isn't just the only one. And I've had a lot of support from the Carrie fans out there. Um because it's so hard, it's so rare to hear about. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I was really excited to talk to them about this. I was really excited to talk to JJ, who is a writer in her own right. Um, but in this, she's kind of like taken the the reins and is doing all sorts of really cool, uh, just amazing work with like the costuming. She she's producing the film and she's going out and finding the costumes because it's a period piece. It's actually set in the seventies. Which is neat. <laughs> so. There's actually a portion in, in one of the live videos with Ryan and JJ where she shows like the Tommy Ross jeans from like the 70s and the flare legs. And, oh, and the, and the wig. Yes. She talks about the wig. <laughs> yeah, so that it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. Definitely. So we're really excited to have uh, you guys listen to us talk about this project and um, go look it up on Facebook. They're doing all kinds of like live events on there talking about the film as well as Twitter. Um, She burns in hell um, accounts from Chamberlain, Maine. We're going to uh, definitely have them back on right before the the, the film comes out. And uh, we'll send you all the links. We'll have a bunch of stuff up on fangirlmag.com for you. Um, But here we go with Ryan and JJ and um, definitely check that out. And, um, and we will see, we're going to be bringing them up next. And so we'll see you next week on fangirl radio. Bye. Hey everybody. I want to welcome a familiar voice and or face to you tonight. Mr. Ryan Stacy, who is my co-host with the most um, is making a project and I has brought with him the lovely, J.J. Phillips, who is a producer on this project, and this is a super secret project that he's been working on for a while now, and uh, he has released it from the gates of hell, and it is She Burns in Hell, Accounts from Chamberlain Maid, and that is a fan film of based on Carrie, which I don't think you there has ever been one of these before. This is a huge thing in the realm of female empowerment horror. And I just want to welcome you guys to the show because I can't wait to pick your brains about Carrie. Hi. Happy to be here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I guess, first of all, um, JJ, thank you for coming along uh, and and braving us. I'm excited about it, actually. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Um, Ryan is, is uh, he's a pro. He, he knows about my insanity. But I got to ask Ryan, Ryan, yeah. where Jessica. did this get, in, where did you get inspiration from for this? Where, where did this come from? Um, God, you know, it's so crazy because this kind of goes with what I was discussing with a lot of my cast members last night on our um, two-hour Facebook stream. We were like live for a while and it's that I was bullied. Okay. And basically like I found a home with Carrie. I was introduced to it accidentally because it was on TV. It was on TBS's dinner and movie. If you remember that. And I was probably 10 close to 11 and my sister and I wanted to watch it. Cause that is our older sister's name. I have an older sister named Carrie 
<laughs> and <laughs> my dad was like, you probably shouldn't do that. It's a scary movie. And we watched it. And well, I was fucked up. I got <laughs> fucked up from it. And then I just kind of, I don't know. I just sort of, sort of grew like really morbidly curious about this thing that had scared the crap out of me. And I just grew to love it and read the book and watching all of these films, Jess, I just, these adaptations, I'm just like, you guys are kind of missing the point. So would you say that Carrie was sort of the, the, I don't want to say gateway drug, but the entrance for you into the horror realm, because this is what you do. You, you are a a horror director and writer and um, you've done dramatic things, but there's always like a darkness to them. Do you see that the Carrie kind of showed you that that is the place for the, the outcasts to go? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I think that's also why, um, you know, outcasts such as myself um, really latch onto things like comic book heroes and the X-Men specifically, you know, they're outcasts and you just kind of identify and relate so much. It's just nice having, like I've been saying, someone who understands you, even if they are, you know, or who can relate to you, even if they are a fictional character. Well, and that's one thing I wanted to ask both of you about was it really does speak to the outsiders, you know, and with you'd spoken about being a bully, but being bullied in school um, in the current climate that we're in, does, do you think that that film and story is somehow kind of timeless to us? Uh, you know, cause I was bullied in school. Do you think that that's kind of the timelessness of this is why it's always going to be relevant? JJ, you can take this one first time. Oh, okay. Well, I do think it's going to be relevant even more so now because there's no escape. Um, whenever, when, when, when Carrie was made, there was not such a thing called social media. Um, basically nowadays, bullying has taken on a whole new mantra as far as you don't escape it. You come home, it's on social media everywhere. If someone is um, obviously bullying you, you deal with it obviously at school and then you deal with it at home. And that's why it's, there's no escape from it, where at least in an, an idea-wise, Carrie would have had an escape from it, except her mother was obviously not, not very good at that. No, no. <laughs> mom, mom was not good at helping no. Carrie deal. No, no, no. Mom was not good. But ideally speaking, let's hypothetically say mom was good. Then, that, that, then Carrie would have had an escape from the bullying, where here, in the, nowadays, it's 24-7. It's true. And uh, it, it gives the uh, bullies an extra weapon if you if you look at it that way as well, because they can post anything they want and get away with it, it seems. A lot of times there is no real regulation. You have to be very and I don't know that they necessarily they've started really cracking down on it. But it's it, once you throw it out there, you can't someone's going to screenshot it. You can't take it back. It's there. Exactly. So kind of going backwards a little bit because we we found Ryan's gateway into Carrie and why it affected him. What got you when you first saw the original film or even read the book that really spoke to you? Quite honestly, um, I really got into this project because Ryan, I, I love Ryan. <laughs> Ryan is such a good friend of mine. Oh. And I watched his passion <laughs> And his drive and his excitement in his eyes, they would just literally like pop as soon as he started talking about this. So, yeah, that basically brought me into this thing, into this, because I honestly, 
was not as affected by Carrie as he was. Um, and, and he has re he has reiterated. And I even asked him myself too. And he's reiterated why, why he felt that, that connection to this particular work. Unfortunately, I don't really have that type of connection. I never really had, I mean, I hate to say it, but in a lot, of, I never bullied anybody directly, but I would have more in common with Sue Snell as far as like <laughs> not having to deal. I mean, I never had to deal with bullying and, and any of that stuff until I'm actually, I actually never had to deal with racism, racism until I moved to Ohio. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> it's what we do. No. <laughs> God. So I guess the latter, uh, in the, in the latter part of my life or like the middle part of my life, I guess now I have to, I, I can kind of relate because I've been kind of bullied as far as race goes. But when I was younger, no, I, I really didn't have that problem. But I can definitely see where um, it would be much more effective. I mean, as far as you're becoming who you're going to be and that can affect a person positively or extremely detrimentally. Got it. Well, and, and so you kind of answered another question I had for you was how you became a producer on this is basically your relationship with Ryan and seeing what this meant to him, which is fantastic. Oh, yes. You just I just I get overjoyed just looking at him, just smile and just be so happy. And I mean, I love to, you know, if I can and I'm able to, I love to, you know, not not only do I have my own dreams, but I love to support the dreams of my friends and I love to help them make their dreams come true because it makes it, it feels like it is part of what friendship is. That's fantastic. Ryan, don't you cry. Oh, I'm not. I'm just sitting here giggling because she's made it sound so much more flashier than it was. Okay, now we get the true, the true story. We'll get the true story from the director. Okay, now. look, so JJ and I were neighbors at um, Horror Hunt Weekend. And that's how I met her. We're, we're both centrally located around the Dayton area here in Ohio. So it was like, we'd never crossed paths before we met. And I ended up inviting her uh, to take a role in Failing Grace, my uh, last film I just worked on. And so she was a part of that. She had, I gave her a role though, after she so lovingly had contributed to our Indiegogo campaign. So I went to her and I said, I have this role, will you do it? And she came out and we rocked it. She was amazing. And so when I was casting She Burns in Hell, I went to JJ and I was like, I have this interesting spin on this character. Would you like to portray her? And then the rest is history. So, and, <laughs> and, and so I, I got to tell everybody that JJ is, is crazy talented. I mean, she's not only an actor. Oh my gosh! Is she an actress? She's a writer, published author, amazing stuff. But on top of that, you're creating costumes and things for this. Like you're you're doing everything. You're like all of it. Like you're you're. Uh, oh God, what's her name, Ryan? You know the uh, the costumer for like all the Tim Burton's movies. That one, Colleen the, Atwood. That's it, Colleen Atwood. So she's all, also Colleen Atwood. That she's, yeah. yeah. So, um, how did you learn to do that too? Because I've seen the the pieces and like the wigs and things, and it's amazing. Well, actually, this is what's really wonderful about knowing the city that you live in. Um, we have a plethora of amazing vintage um, 
places that, you know, places that we can go for vintage type um, wardrobes. So basically what I did, and one of the main ones is uh, feathers in the Oregon district. And I also got some things from Clash in the Oregon district. And then um, I went, even went to like a couple of thrift stores here and there, like St. Francis. And uh, I, I can't remember the other one's name, but um, it was a really tiny one. Um, but I, I went to, I just basically went all around because I had him send me pictures of what he wanted these, because obviously it's a period piece. So he started sending me pictures of ideas of what he had for these people to look like or what they had to wear, et cetera. Like, and so basically I would send him snapshots of things that I would find. And the wonderful thing is, um, at Feathers, I had told her what I was doing and she had pulled everything from that era and had it ready for me the next day when I came in. So I was like, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this, because we already had discussed, Ryan and I, through pictures, which ones he liked and which, what he thought would go well. And I kind of gave my little input and then basically just the ball just kept rolling with all the things. And then there were um, wigs that I ordered off. Some of them I ordered off of Amazon. Um, Some of them were actually um, already, um, already owned by um, Ryan and I had to restyle them. Now, that was interesting because um, <laughs> I had never actually done that before. And so I go to Sally Beauty Supply and I buy like a haircutting kit. And um, then I went to a, a, a wig store and I bought um, the stuff that you use to style uh, wigs and a whole bunch of the little caps that you put on before the wig and everything. And um, basically, I kind of hands on learned how to cut hair. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's putting it fucking mildly. <laughs> <laughs> what the shit, Ryan? <laughs> and look, okay, so I was all set to to do this short set in our time. I was willing to do that, and Sean had made this offhanded comment. Sean Burkett, my partner at Concept Media, he had said, "You know, it's just a shame." You couldn't set this whenever he wrote it. Well, and I was like, I know, because the book is set in 1979. Right. And JJ came to me and she she said, look, I think it's really important that we should try to do this authentically and really maintain Mr. Stephen King's authenticity of these moments that we're taking and pulling from Carrie that get dropped and we just are stitching them together. So. Well, and the. Well, no, I was going to say the thing is it, the uh, the setting, it, it, what kind of sets this apart from a lot of, of stories and films is, I mean, they've done they've done modern versions of it, but none of them stick in people's minds as much as the Sissy Spacek version and that whole look and everybody, you know, like yeah, William Cat's hair. You know, everybody knows William. <laughs> everybody knows William Cat's hair from Carrie. Everybody knows those looks. And so far as you know, just recently Riverdale did mm-hmm. a a Carrie musical episode. Yes. And it was it was all seventies, and that's just part of the mystique of Carrie is where where how it happened, and it 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 just come, goes together. And so doing a fan film like this. Which, I, like I said, I, I cannot think of one single Carrie fan film that's ever been done. There's been lots of Freddies. There's been lots of Jasons. There's been Michael Myers. There's been Pinhead. But Carrie's sort of like this forgotten icon. Well, there have been a few fan films made. They're just, they're on YouTube. 
um, there's one that's like a full length remake of it, it would seem, and it's in multiple parts. And there are fans out there that have tried and they do. It's just, I don't think anyone has done it with production value put into it. Again, no shade really <laughs> to these films. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. I know, I'm giving you crap. No, because honestly, let me tell you, and JJ can attest, we have already, we only, we announced this project a week ago. We've been working on it since the winter. Mm-hmm. And we have just been interacting with some of the greatest fans, haven't we, JJ? Oh my gosh, they're amazing. There awesome. are Carrie fans coming out of the woodwork. It's awesome. That's fantastic. So what what have you heard and, and how much, like, what support have you been given in terms of, like, uh, words of, of encouragement and things from fans of this? Because I love hearing that she's got fans. The poster literally just mm-hmm. grabbed everybody by the throat, made them turn around and look at it. Yeah. I love the poster. The poster is beautiful. I mean, that was just, I mean, I, I can imagine... If this goes anywhere close to viral, that poster is going to become iconic. Well, it could. Yeah, you're right. Sean Burkett really did an amazing job of picking one image because we took some inside and some of her on the street. Hint, hint at some things to come. And she just... (laughs) Spoiler. Brittany, Brittany, in that poster, she does it on film, too. She literally jumps out of the screen at you as Carrie. That's been... Yeah, I'm not underestimating. Now, in regard to what you asked me about the fans, a lot of them have made comments that they're really, that someone specifically, I forget their username and I feel terrible, but on Instagram they said that um, Brittany looked exactly like how they had pictured Carrie looking in the book. That that's oh. how they wanted their oh, Carrie wow. to look. And oh, I was did that like, send wow. chills up your spine? Yeah, it's, that's crazy. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> no pressure, Ryan. Right. No, no pressure. Then when they got a hold of Tommy's look, we didn't do a full-on like reveal of Tommy Ross. I did put up a shot um, for the Carrie fans on Instagram of her working on Josh Miller, and all of them were like, "Oh my God, that's Tommy Ross!" Like they <laughs> saw that hair and they knew. But that hair that day, that was a that was a definitely big point of. Uh, Hype, wouldn't you say? Oh my gosh, that wig was the most work ever, period. (laughs) And you made a dress for Carrie. Yeah, the the making of the dress was nothing compared to Tommy Ross's hair. (laughs) I could make five dresses in the amount of time it took me to tame Tommy Ross's mane. (laughs) And he rocks rocks two looks because he has his normal hair and then um, she cut and restyled it up. So he'd have a cleaner look for prom. <laughs> That's I can't yeah. wait to see this. Um, <laughs> so, so kind of real, coming back to, you know, what he means to the fans and, and the input that you've been getting. Uh, one question I have for both of you and, and uh, is in regards to Carrie, would you call it a horror film or would you call it something else? Because it's almost a psychological drama in a lot of ways in 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 just the um, the meltdown of a, of a teenage girl at the same time you know dealing with teenage issues and and growing up but it, it, you know it doesn't really go full-on yeah i mean there's also the all these different aspects to it would you call it a horror film 
Ryan? I want you to go first. Ah! Oh, boy, thanks. Mommy, Daddy. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I, when, I, when I read it, I didn't really see it as, a, as exactly as a horror film. Yes, there's blood. Yes, there's things that are kind of scary that do happen in it. But I actually am more in agreement with you, Jessica, as far as it being more psychological. Because this is more of, we're watching literally the almost, uh, almost deconstruction of a person. Right. To where they can't take anymore. And they're, they're, it's just built up and it's built up and it's built up. And all of a sudden, she just explodes in this overly, I mean, amazingly um, a dramatic display of, fuck you. Um, <laughs> it's true. So, I mean, I think it's <laughs> right. gotta, I, I think that's, it's psychologically, she had had enough. They had pushed all of her buttons to where her psyche could not handle any more torture. That's well, fair. Yeah. Well, Ryan, that kind of rolls me back to you because I'm curious what you have, what you think about this. Cause I've been thinking about this in for the last couple of days, knowing you guys were going to be on, but I wanted to ask you specifically um, in regards to the times we're in right now mm-hmm. and, and where we have, and I'm not trying to, to build drama, but it's telling in how we have these school shootings and kids dealing with they, they've they been bullied to the point of they they go and they actually explode at the school like this. Can you talk about how Carrie sort of speaks to these times, even from back the time it was it was written? Because it is very time. It I, I keep saying time, but it is very timely. It's, you know, the, the whole idea of just what a, what a hot button topic um, violence among school age children is. Um, that was one of the reasons why I elected not to show the prom and the blood dump. One of, you know, one reason, you know, but also struck up against a major like <laughs> production value concern yeah, to pull yeah, off something yeah, like that. Exactly. <laughs> we just, you know, I just, I'm, God, Jess, I hate when you ask me these <laughs> questions. Oh, I, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just, it is timely because kids have always been ugly. Kids seem to um, always be ugly. Um, people, I just, I don't understand when they're going to wake up and react, you know, in a way that can be proactive and change what's happening. But, you know, stories like Carrie are, granted, very grand compared to real life events. But there's other, you know, avenues of relatability in the story, not just to the outsiders. I think every bully in America should have to read it. I think every parent should reread Carrie and just do a little thinking. And Well, there's a timelessness to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yes, and so. there, yeah, and and that's one of the things I I I love about you doing this and doing it now because you can uh, speak to you know sort of one thing that struck me was the townspeople and the attitudes of um, it's not not racism so much as classism because Carrie was poor she right. didn't have mm-hmm. money and you you're dealing with that so 
much now and there's like this classist society that we have become and it just keeps getting worse and uh this story talks to that too and that's another level of it well there is racism in carrie if you read the book there is um racist remarks made there are very passive remarks made about how some of the characters feel about black people living in chamberlain Um, yes and that was actually something I talked about uh, because I did put some flair into some of these characters and their backstories and uh, the scenes that JJ's in, that's something we heavily discussed was the racial tones of the late seventies and what it would be like in a small white town like Chamberlain, Maine. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Cause last time I checked on Asian, well and and the other part of that that's interesting too is Stephen King has always been very open about that in his books like it's an it it's a major part of it and now and now with Castle Rock that's a major part in Castle Rock it's it's not it's subtle but it's there like with Sissy Spacek of all people who's in it mm-hmm. um, making the point of saying, I'm not like the other, cause she's, you know, she's kind of touched cause she's older and she's got Alzheimer's or something, but her character tells her own son that she raised. I'm not like the other people here, honey. I, I raised, I, I, I adopted a black boy and it's like, wow, really? That's this is, you know, it's, it's, it, that's not subtle, but it's there. And he, <laughs> it is. <laughs> has that kind of, uh, he doesn't shy away from it. And I, I love that about King's stuff because that's his area of the world and he's not going to sugarcoat it. No, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it was, um, I, I, I remember reading all about like how, where he was in his life when he had written it. And it just, it's, it's, it's a truly captivating story. Well, and one thing I, I wanted to, uh, to ask both of you about, because um, it, this is a neat take on the story, what you're doing. And that is you're you're kind of focusing on the townspeople. And I wanted to know more about the story and the script and what you could t- you could share about it without. <laughs> story. But, but what you're doing to expand the story out from everybody thinks, Carrie, it's the prom. There's a whole other, there's a lot more to carry than the prom scene and prom night. Can you talk about that and what this, what the, uh, what you're focused, how you expanded the characters for this? Sure. Um, If you've ever, like in the book, Carrie, so it's, the whole book is written really neatly because it's a, a combination of like, you know, present tense, first person point of view. And then it shifts to these collections from newspapers and interviews and television specials and things of just these accounts of Carrie and her life leading to that night and what these people saw. And I always just felt it was really sad. We never saw the the flip side of what Carrie was doing while we're all rooting for her to destroy this town. There were a lot of people there who didn't necessarily have that coming. Ooh, And so it, I just wanted to show the dark side to something I very lo- much love. There's uh, always that dynamic, the dichotomy, you know, of, of light and dark. And there was a dark side to what Carrie did. 
you know, there were people that died or that experienced and had to relive things that, you know, that wasn't necessarily fair. God. If you, yeah. Yeah, I that I like that. I like the take of that because it keeps this unique too. It's not just a remake, or right. that's nice, and it gives you a little bit more uh, creative freedom with the story too. Yes, yeah. Like I said, with JJ's character and uh, the actress that she shared a scene with, Audrey Lane. You know Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing two mothers who were, you know, mothers of two children in this town who probably didn't fit the standard of what Chamberlain was like. And here there's this pandemonium going on across town, and they just happen to be on the side of town that Carrie, you know, truly kind of fucks up, and we don't see it in the movies, really. Nice. Well, yeah, and then us being two people that normally would, that is, are not white in Chamberlain, Maine, Mm-hmm. Uh, we would probably more than likely be drawn to each other because of that. So it would be, it would make sense for us to be together in that scene. Yes. So it's, it's kind of interesting that you're doing a movie about the uh, kind of patron goddess saying of the outsiders and how the, you have the focus on the other outsiders of the town. It's true. That's interesting. Oh my I gosh. like that. JJ, I didn't even pick up on that because there's that. And then we have Thomas Quillen, who is the the drunk. Yeah. And that character is yeah. written older in the book. We made him younger and realized that a guy of the actor's age would have been to Vietnam and back. Oh, that's fantastic. So we put that spin into his character's approach and his development and even his fabulous costume. <laughs> and his hair. <laughs> <laughs> we have priorities, damn it. <laughs> I mean, he, looks, he looks good. Um, he is actually engaged to be married to the actress Peyton Krebs, who is playing Sue Snell, who also looks adorable. And um, I thought she was going to like take him off and violate him or something. Because he, I mean... <laughs> So they have this thing with the jeans, okay? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so I bought these pair of – I was looking for period jeans that would make sense for this film. And so I found this pair of jeans on Amazon, and they looked like they they were the right size, which I was very fortunate. Um, And I was like, okay, so we're going to go ahead – I'm just going to go ahead and order those. And they show up, and then he tries them on, and Peyton is literally – I thought she was going to salivate. I was. <laughs> How did they get sued, mommy? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there might be there, there there might be a fight in the parking lot over the pants. I have no idea. Oh my god! <laughs> now, see what's fun about the pants is Tommy Ross also wore the pants as well, and Josh and Mike want to fight over these pants, but I don't have the pants. JJ has the pants. Oh, yeah. We had you to know, give them got, to me for safekeeping. There's got to be oil wrestling or mud wrestling involved in winning the pants. Because <laughs> now it's got to happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That Yeah, no. I think they should thumb wrestle, though. Oh, no, no. Wrestle in fake blood. Ooh, and broadcast it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ryan just exploded. I think. <laughs> I'm just, no. I'm just like... You are awful, awful people. And, <laughs> and we are your friends. What yes. does that say? Oh, shit. You're right. 
this is where we go on this show. We go, uh, there's no safe zone. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I know we're about to run out of time here, but I got to, I, I want to give you guys a chance to um, pimp where people can see this, um, pimp where people can contribute if there's still a way to contribute to the cause and where they can, you know, what, what do you have upcoming to help promote this? Um, well, we're on Twitter. That's a big thing I'm pushing right now as far as um, I, as far as new little bits of information about the film and our, our updates go there. So you can find it at, um, at she underscore burns. And then um, we're on Facebook by the full name or full, pardon me, full title of the film. Um, and then you can just find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm around. I haunt the place. So. <laughs> Never laugh. <laughs> I think we all kind of like haunt, you know, right. just kind of hover around and just like see what everybody's saying. <laughs> right. And I do. And I pay attention. I, there's two fan pages on Instagram and I love them. Um, one is at Carriers from the Loop World uh, that you can find them. It's like Carriers FT Loop World. They're awesome. And then another page found me the other day. They're great too. And I just, I'm really excited about how much our pimping is reaching these people. So what I'm trying to do is arrange um, oftenly scheduled uh, Facebook live streams and Twitter live streams because they love being able to see these people, my actors, these characters. They're really attached to them and they really want to meet them all. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I love the fact that you're, you're celebrating one of the few female icons in horror like that that she is and the thing with Carrie that I love is you don't have bride of in front of her name oh yes that's true she's unique she doesn't have a man to uh be part of her name she is her right you know and that is fabulous to me I love it so thank you for that thank you for celebrating her yeah I think that's one of the things I had said um earlier to uh, I, I think to Ryan, actually, I was like, you, you know, he had asked, he had said a question kind of in regard to the same thing. And I remember sitting there looking at him and I was like, what is a queen without her king? More powerful, right? She's yeah. Powerful. Ooh, so, I yeah, like she <laughs> is her own and she does not have to answer to anybody, period. I can't, I, I don't think we can top that for an ending there. That's a great last, last uh, word on it so thank you for that this is what's the writer everybody this is why <laughs> this, is, this is what she does well guys thank you so much for coming on and sharing this and definitely we want to you come back before uh it gets released and after it gets released too so we can talk about it beforehand get it get it built up because this is going to be fantastic i love i love passion projects like this that are you know, fan funded, fan, uh, you know, created and how you take these things that are put out in the ether by like guys like Stephen King and other guys, you know, there's ones by Clyde Barker, or Wes Craven, and you take it and you make it your own and that's what they do with it. That's what it's there for. It's true. Let's just hope, um, you know, we don't piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I don't think, I don't think you will. I don't think you will. I think okay. you'll be happy with it. But thank you guys Good. so much. And uh, everyone, you'll, we'll put some, uh, we'll have 
links to the Twitter page, the Facebook page on um, our fangirl uh, uh, social media accounts as well. And we'll have uh, links to whenever there is a teaser trailer. Have you done one yet? Um, no, we have not. There is a, I, I know we should, I know we should, but, um, we just, no. <laughs> no. Well, at some point there will be a teaser trailer of some oh, sort sure. of course, and, yes. and we'll definitely have that out there for you guys to see. Um, so got Ryan, thank you for coming back to the fold. I know you've been busy and on this, that's what you've been working on. You first yes. taking us. I know, um, and you've been in the loop the whole time. You've been I sitting in the secret with us. You've been, and JJ, thank you again for coming on. Um, I hope to have you guys back, and uh, thank you again for making Carrie. Thank You're you welcome. for having me as well. I mean, I yeah. really appreciate this. Has been a blast, actually. I have not laughed this hard in like um all since like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys again, and um, definitely, guys, check him out on uh, the Fangirl Mag website and on our social media. We'll have links to all of this, and uh, we'll see you next week on Fangirl Radio.